Come on now, hey for you, how you doing? Yes, hey. All right, hey, tonight is gonna be um, truly amazing. Uh, if you're just joining us, welcome back to Fuse. We're gonna spend nine weeks talking about identity and getting to know the real you. Not the, not the you you project, not the you that you want others to think, not the you maybe you even think you are, but the real you that you were designed to be. And listen, I know normally like we try to start with some like cute introduction to capture your attention. I don't have one of those. I'm just ready to get into the word. So are y'all ready to get into the word? Great. Because listen, I'm telling y'all, I am always excited to preach, but there is something different on tonight. Um, Just to be, this is a family, so just to be incredibly honest with you, um, I had the enemy, because Satan is real, try to lay a real attack on me last night, and it's because I know that he is scared of the message that I'm gonna preach to you. So God said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and Jesus said, I am now with you, which means all authority in heaven and on earth now belongs to me, so I'm gonna talk like it. Is that cool? Great. So getting to know the real you, all right? So for nine weeks, we're gonna be coming around this statement, that true identity is knowing and receiving who God says I am. True identity is knowing and receiving who God says I am. Because you, you can know with your head, but not have received with your life the truth about who you are, who God says that you are. And, and Caleb did a great job last week of kicking us off um, with this and talking about that when God started our identity, the first words that he spoke over creation were, very good. Every campus, I want you to look at the screen, which means me in my eyes. Did you know that you were a very good idea? That it was a very good idea this time that you were born into? The way your face is put together was a very good idea, whether you feel like it or not. How tall you are was a very good idea. How short you are was a very good idea. How um, athletic you are, how unathletic. How artistic, how not artistic was a very good idea. That was God's first words that he spoke over creation. But how many of y'all know, looking around the world, identity doesn't look like it's very good. Like people have different definitions of identity. It just just doesn't look very good. And I think that's because, and what we're going to come around tonight is how our identity got twisted is we entered into uh, a wrong conversation. So this is my mock coffee shop up here tonight. Now, I know this is not how, like, the exact, also, y'all check out my, my unicorn mug. It literally says, you are unique. I'm speaking identity over myself as I preach tonight. Anyways, so I know this isn't like the only place that you have conversations, but y'all have, y'all know this is a world of words. We are always in a conversation with somebody. You got text messages, you got DMs, you got a TikTok, God help us. You got, don't even get me started on group messages. It's like, just put that thing on silent, I'll come back to you later. You know, there's just always words going, conversations happening. But I want you to hear me. There is no such thing as a casual conversation. No such thing. Because what I believe is, hold on, let me do it with this analogy. Y'all date, even though many of you should not, but y'all date. And uh, 
I wasn't allowed to date when I was in um, middle school and high school. So, but obviously I, I liked guys, you know what I'm saying? I was always trying to be like, hey. So, um, but since I wasn't allowed to date, like a guy would call me and my mom would be like, who's that? You know you're not allowed to date. And I'm like, mom, we're not dating. We're just talking. Y'all still say this? I, I, who's that? Nah, I mean, we're just talking. We're just talking. We're just talking. I want to tell you uh, that that's not a real statement because you need to think about words. The words that were first ever recorded in scripture, God used to literally create plants, animals, light, darkness with words. Words are always for creation. And so you need to write this down. When it comes to conversations in whatever form they are, we're never just talking, we're creating. We are never just talking, we're creating. Who you allow to speak to you, the things you watch, the things you allow to speak over your life, the people who you allow to sit across the table from you, the phone from you, the DMs from you, whatever. Every conversation you have, you're creating something because words create and the world understands this and we should too for example let me prove it to you see if these statements don't start like creating something inside of you all right hey um I think so and so likes you you weren't even interested 4.8 seconds ago but they said I think so and so likes you you're like I mean they kind of cute you know what I'm Create something. How about this one? Dude, I'm telling you, you're the best one on the team. For me, when I used to be good at sports, that created a real identity in me. How about this one? Um, is that what you're wearing tonight? <laughs> Some people, all right, this is cool because it created different things in different people. Some of y'all went straight to anger. Like, I know they didn't. Some of y'all went to like, I mean, yeah, like that's creates different things, but we're never just talking, we're creating. And here's the last one that we're going to come around tonight, and it's one uttered by the mouth of Satan. He said this, did God really say creates something? So our identity is shaped by conversation. Our identity was twisted by this beginning conversation. Imagine in this chair is the enemy, boy. We're gonna come at him tonight, and this is us. I am us. What a weird sentence. So let's look at this conversation, and if we're never just talking, we're creating, I'm gonna read this, and then we're gonna talk about four things that conversation with the enemy creates, and then how to combat that. Does that sound cool? Clear to everybody? All right, what conversation with the enemy creates and how to combat it. That's the goal for tonight. So let's look at this in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now, the serpent, that is Satan, the enemy, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, here it is, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said, I mean, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, <laughs> You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So we're going to break this down. And I'm going to show you four things that the enemy is trying to create. And hear me, his tactics have not changed. He may be crafty, but he is not creative. He does not do anything new. The same thing he attacked Eve with and Adam with and their identity is the same thing he attacks us with. So four things that conversations with the enemy creates. Number one, questions. Questions. Look at this. In Genesis 3.1, he says, did God actually say but but did he but did he really I want you to see fuse how Satan's first attack on our identity is actually an attack on the identity of the truth of scripture the truth of what God says because he knows if he can get us to question this word, to question its validity, to question its truth, then everything else will fall into play into corruption based on his plan. Listen, Caleb said this last week. This generation, our generation that we're living in, is one of the most inquisitive, knowledge-seeking, question-asking generations that's ever been. I love that. I think that's like an actually very positive thing. Your questions are not wrong. Hear me. Your questions are not wrong. They can be wrong based on who you have the conversation with. Your questions are not wrong. They can be wrong based on who you bring your questions to. And listen, I know y'all are having hard questions asked of you all the time. I know that you are asking hard questions but if you keep going to the wrong source for the answer, then you are not gonna find the identity and the peace and the truth that you desire. So God, excuse me, Satan just gets this leading question, getting Eve to question God, did God really say? But I'm telling you, you we need to become a people, we need to become a ministry, we need to become a generation who when you have questions because you will, you don't continue in the conversation with the person who is trying to lead you astray. You go to the source of the answers of the question. Bring out this book and study it. It's hard. I know. It's hard for me to study too. It's hard for me to come here and ask questions. You know where else you can bring your questions? To Fuse. To your Fuse group leader, if you don't have a Fuse group leader, sign up tonight. Find a leader with a name tag on and say, guess what? You're my new Fuse group leader. They might not be a Fuse group leader. They are now. You've got to find safe places to bring your questions to. It's awkward to have those conversations in church. It's awkward to have a question about, um, about this identity issue that I have. My friend is questioning whether it's wrong or not to, to be a homosexual. I don't know how to answer. Don't just Google it. Go to the source of truth. Because the enemy is trying to poison your mind with questions when God wants to use those questions to enter into a greater relationship. What the enemy means for evil, God can turn for good. Take your questions, but bring them to the source of truth and people who can be trusted to speak truth. Fuse group leaders, this is for you. 
If you do not know truth, you will not be able to answer your kids' questions. Fuse cannot be your main teacher. Sundays cannot be your main teacher. Because students are gonna come to you. And I'm not saying, here's a great, fuse. this is not like fuse group leader training, but we're here. Uh, you know what a great answer is to a question that you don't know the answer to? I don't know. Don't just like make something up. Say, I don't know, why don't we seek God together? That's discipleship. Come and see, come and see. But the enemy, he's gonna, he's crafty. He's just gonna start with a question. Boop, he's gonna plant that question in your head till it leads to the next thing. Is this making sense? Great, so conversations with the enemy create questions. Not bad, just could be brought to the wrong source. Number two, conversations with the enemy create doubt. Doubt. Listen to this. In Genesis 3, 4 to 5, he says, you won't surely die. Doubt. Because Eve continued the conversation with the wrong person. Once the enemy has created questions, he will try to partner them with doubt. Note right here, I'm going to stand up because, because, because I'm about to put the, my foot on the enemy's throat. The main thing, listen, the main thing that the enemy is going to try to get you to doubt first is the goodness of God. That's what he does with Eve. You will not surely die because God knows that when you eat of it, you will be like God. God's holding out on you. God doesn't want good for you. This is the tone of what he's saying. And as soon as we question the goodness of God, we question everything else about God. We doubt everything else about God. If God is not good, then his rules for me cannot be good. If God is not good, then his truth cannot be good. If God is not good, then his plans for me cannot be good. If we question God's goodness, it literally poisons everything else that God wants us to believe. And I just wanna encourage you tonight. Um, I love like in this scripture, what you see is FOMO. Like Eve's afraid she's missing out. Like God's holding out on you. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what, on what he's trying to keep from you. FOMO's literally existed since there were two people, two. And it's existed from missing out. I wanna tell you, when it comes to the goodness of God, if it were truly going to be good for you, God would give it to you. I'm afraid that I'm gonna miss out on like fun in high school if I don't blah, blah, blah. If it was good for you, God would tell you to do it. I'm afraid that if like, I feel like God told me not to, to doubt, to doubt. God told me not to date when I'm in high school, but I'm afraid that if I do, I might die alone. If it was good for you, God would give it to you now. I'm afraid that I might miss out if I don't, you know, do what my friends are doing. If it was good for you, God would give it to you. Our questions brought to the wrong source can lead to doubt. And the number one thing the enemy is trying to get us to doubt is the goodness of God. But he's not done with the conversation because Eve keeps talking to him. So we've questioned. Now she's got some doubt stirring. Now she's like, yeah, God is, God is holding out on me. Well, after that, he creates questions, he creates doubt, and number three, he creates desire. Desire is created. Because it says this in Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of it and she ate. With Eve's curiosity heightened, she then begins to long, to desire something. And that's the thing, listen, that Satan wants most. He's not ultimately after your actions. He's not ultimately after what you do and don't do. He's after your heart, what you long for, what you desire. Because think about it this way. Did Eve already have food? Yes, okay, God had already provided. Um, she already had the greatest delight of the, that the eyes could ever see. She had the presence of God there with them in the garden. She already had wisdom that God gave to her, but she allowed the enemy to take root in her mind, and so he was able to conquer her heart. This world is ultimately after your affections, what you love, what you desire, what you long for. And how many of y'all have heard the verse, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You've heard this? Okay. Let me tell you what that verse does not mean. That does not mean that if you do what God says, you will get what you want. Not what it means. What it means is as you delight in the Lord, as he becomes your number one desire, as his word becomes sweeter to you than honey, as worship becomes just the greatest thing to your ears, your desires will become his desires. You'll begin to want what God wants. Some of y'all are trying so hard to convince yourself, I don't wanna have sex. Like you're trying to convince yourself over and over again. Thank you for the awkward laughter. Over and over again, you cannot convince yourself for your desires to change. Delight in God, he will change your desire. I cannot stop smoking weed. I can't do it. I like the snacks after. <laughs> you can't convince yourself to stop. You cannot manhandle your desires to stop wanting. You delight in God and you'll be overwhelmed at how your desires change. Leaders, I know there are nights you don't wanna to come to Fuse. I know, because I've had them. Because sometimes, students, I love you, sometimes you're just a lot, in the best way. You're just a lot, best way, just a lot. On the way to Fuse, why don't you blast some worship music? Why don't you delight yourself in the Lord and see if your desire doesn't shift on your way here? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you his desires. However, if you start delighting yourself in whatever the world and the voice of the enemy tells you, guess what? Your desires will change too. Some of y'all, some of y'all saw how I stood different because something's happening. I don't know, man, like Fuse just doesn't do it for me anymore. It's like boring. That ain't Fuse's fault. And I'm not saying because the lights are good or the worship's good or I even preach that good. The word is good enough to preach for itself. I can just get up here and read that aloud and we should all be what I taught y'all before. That should, that should just come out. So if you don't desire to come to the house of God, to be with the people of God, to worship in the presence of God, that's not Fuse's fault. I can tell what you've been delighting in all week based on your desire to come to Fuse or not. I don't know, man, I just don't wanna read my Bible. That ain't the word's fault. You think God wrote a bad book? No, 
Your delight is off. I've been praying for you that literally the things of the world would have a terrible taste in your mouth so that you just don't desire it anymore. Gossiping with my friends around the lunch table, I literally just don't desire it anymore. It doesn't taste good. I only delight in the Lord and I can only speak encouragement. Dating like a dummy, I can't take it anymore. I only desire the man or the woman of God that he has for me because I've just been delighting in God and I've seen how his good purpose for dating and marriage must be the best there is because he designed it in the first place. This is good. And it's time for us, Fuse, to start believing the goodness of God over the crap of the enemy because not only our world needs it, you need it. Our families need it. This is what changes everything. Our desires is what the enemy is after and it's what God is after. He just wants your heart, your love. I'm sorry, God, I did it again. I love you. Come back, come back. I gotta move on, but I could preach there for an hour and a half, but we're gonna move on. Because it says this in James 1. This isn't gonna come up on the screen, but I wanna read this. Each person, it says this in James 1, 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And it says this, desire when it has conceived. When your love has fully focused on something other than God, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. That's what we see in Eve and Satan's conversation. Because we get to the end, number four, conversations with the enemy create sin, separation, and confusion. Sin, separation, and confusion. Because it says this in Genesis 3, 7, so they ate and their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. Notice that Satan doesn't technically lie. Because exactly what he said would happen, happened. Because he's crafty, he's manipulative. Their eyes were opened, like he said they would be. They, under, they saw good and evil, like he said they would. But he understood what the end destination was, and that was separation from God. That was sin, and that was confusion about who they are. Because it says they made for themselves loincloths. Why did they do that? Well, because of the, for the first time in creation story, now they felt shame. Shame was never meant to be part of our identity. It only happens when we follow the conversation with the enemy. You were not meant to wear shame, young person. Whatever's happened to you, whatever you've done, in Jesus Christ, that is not your proper wardrobe. You were given a robe of righteousness. That is the only item of clothing that should be in your wardrobe. You open that door in your closet and it should be robe, 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 spiritually speaking. Don't show up at school in like a robe. Kind of weird. But a robe of righteousness has been given to you. And I want you to see too how many steps it took for Adam and Eve to get to the place of sin, separation, and confusion. Because can we just go ahead and debunk this thing? I fell into sin. No, you didn't. Whoops. Accidentally did drugs. No, that wasn't an accident. You didn't like, oh, how did that get in? How did I start smoking that? Oh, 
No, that didn't happen. Step by step by step, the enemy leads them to a place of sin. You got to kick the enemy out at the beginning. Did God actually say, uh, yes, he did, get up out my chair? Did God actually say you were valuable? Yep, Psalm 139 says that I was created with a purpose, that he knitted me together in my mother's womb, that every day was written out for me before time even began. Any other questions? Didn't think so. You have to go. Did God actually say worship works? I don't know. Let me see. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Where'd the enemy go? He gets evicted before the sin even starts to be a problem. So if you start to have questions, question your questions. Bring them to your leaders. Bring them to the word and cut him off before he even has any power. How do you cut him off? With a better conversation. We're going to go back to the scripture that Caleb had last week. And we're going to go through this quick because a lot of this he covered, but I want to remind us. To the original conversation, the better conversation to evict the enemy's voice with in Genesis 1, 27 through 31. Let's read this quickly. Look at this, the first words that God speaks over humanity. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, It was very good. So here's the four things that conversations with God create. How we evict the voice of the enemy is by having conversations with God in line with the scripture. And I think we see four things that he creates. Conversations with God create a clear identity. That's the first thing God wants to create with you. It's the first thing um, about Adam and Eve that he says. He said, let's make man in our image. Who am I? You're God's. When you profess Jesus as Lord, the words that he speaks over you, mine. A clear identity, a firm identity. Can any volunteer attest to the fact that God has made this true for you over and over and over again? This is it. He wants to speak clear identity over you. But not just that. Conversations with God create a blessed purpose. He says to Adam and Eve, hey, um, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. This is the same thing that Jesus says when he leaves to his disciples once uh, once he's been raised from the dead. He says, hey, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. The same commandment. Go, take dominion. What's your purpose? To spread the goodness of God. Yeah, but specifically, I don't know. He'll show you. You try to just spread the goodness of God, he will lead you straight into your specific purpose. Teacher, coach, preacher, rocket scientist, I don't know. If you're that smart to be a rocket scientist here, that's your dream, talk to me because one day you're gonna be blessed financially and I wanna come to your beach house. But a blessed purpose, but not just that. Beautiful provision. He says, I have given you all that you need. 
Some seniors, you're so terrified of what's next and how you're gonna be provided for. God said, hey, I am provider. We talked about this on Sunday. Jehovah Jireh, I will provide. The Lord who provides. And as you speak to him about your fears and your worries, we've already kicked out the enemy. He's gone. And every morning you can sit like this with God and allow him to speak this kind of identity over you. God, I have fears about my future. I have fears about who I'm gonna marry. I have fears about what's gonna end up with my family. I have fears about um, my mom and dad, they're having a hard time. Tell him all of it and let him speak his beautiful provision over you. And number four, we have a clear identity, a blessed purpose, a beautiful, beautiful provision, and then a good life. A good life. What's God wanna create in conversation with you? A good. We're ending the same place Caleb started last week. A good life. This is God's plan for you and me. This is God's purpose for you and me. This is his goal for you and me. And in Jesus, that's who you are. That's what you have access to. And so tonight, I wanna end um, where... So Adam and Eve have sinned, this confusion, the separation, they've made weird clothes to cover their shame that they were never meant to carry. But then God shows up with a different conversation. And it says this in Genesis 3, eight through 11. Y'all look at this. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid, God, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that? I love how God invites, hey, that identity issue, who told you that? Adam, I never taught you shame. Who told you that? Adam, I never taught you to be afraid. Who, t- who told you that? And I believe that is God's final invitation to us tonight, invitation to you, Fuse. Who told you that about who you are? You think about yourself, man, I don't know. I'm just like a weak man. I'm a weak man. I've always been weak. Like, who told you that? wasn't God. I promise you it wasn't God. You look in the mirror, you're like, man, I am ugly. Who told you that? God does not make ugly things. Someone who is perfect can only create imperfection. You have great shame heaped on your shoulders because of something that you did maybe recently. Who told you that? Who told you to be ashamed of yourself? It wasn't God. You feel like you're never gonna amount to much? I don't know, man, like my family's never left this town. Like my family's never graduated from college. My family's never really. Who told you that? A designer creates something in order to fulfill a purpose. God wove purpose into your very DNA. Who told you that? So here's what we're gonna do to end the night. We're gonna invite God to ask that question to us. 
to help us identify where we are and who told us that wrong identity. We're just gonna listen for the voice of God. And I've been praying all week, all day, that God would reassign identity to you. I don't know, I feel abandoned. No, who told you that? You're my son, you're my daughter. I will never leave you or forsake you. So as we go into prayer, I want you to write this down. Your identity is shaped by who you listen to most. Your identity is shaped by who you listen to most because we're never just talking, we're creating. So whoever you're listening to is who is shaping you. So we're just gonna listen for God for a couple of minutes. So I'm gonna invite you right now all across the room to go ahead and just close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray for us, but then we're just gonna sit in silence for a couple minutes. And bands at every campus, you can go ahead and come up and I'm gonna let you lead from this quiet space however you need to lead at your campus. And just invite the voice of God to speak to you. I don't know what God's voice sounds like. Remember those things, clear identity, provision, life. And if it sounds like that, it's him. So I'm gonna pray and then we're just gonna pause and listen for that voice. And we're gonna evict Satan up out of this place. Father, I thank you that you wanna talk to your kids. I thank you that in Jesus and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we all have the ability to hear your voice. So the first lie I rebuke right now in Jesus' name is that there's anybody in here who believes they can't hear the voice of God. I believe that they can and I believe tonight that they will. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would flood minds with the reality of the identity of heaven. That if anybody has any questions, that they would bring them to you right now in humility and God, you would bring some revelations of truth. And Lord, ultimately, we just wanna be a people who delight in you, who desire you. Grow our desire right now to love you more. Speak now, Holy Spirit, speak. It's in Jesus' name, amen.